Welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this pod, we cover the late pick five from Laurel on Saturday, February 20th. This is show number 108, February 19th, 2021. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Hey, Chris, how's it hanging? Good. Weather still pretty much the same as it was a week ago, cold and snowy. Uh, it's been I, the story pretty much all across the country, including at Laurel Racetrack, where they canceled today, if, which is Friday. So I'm hoping we're not wasting our time talking about the pick five at Laurel tomorrow, although the forecast looks pretty good. Um, we can only hope that they uh, they don't cancel the card on us. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm very nervous about it. I was nervous about Aqueduct, too. Somebody emailed me and said, Aqueduct's canceled Friday. And I'm like, okay, I'll wait until I get the official, the official notification before I remove the race from Sword of Kings, and and it turns out it's not canceled. So, well, that's good. Oh, yet, yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now I do have to say though that it is going to be a high of 63 here in Carlsbad, California. So, um, <laughs> you know, it, maybe Del Mar should open for another meet. <laughs> The Del yeah, Mar spring me. Rub it in, Mr. Ted Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> hey, not gonna lie. Not gonna lie. I, I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't have All any right, daughters and... to blame it on either. So <laughs> hey, hey, I, but I, I'm also not an elected official. So. <laughs> Play in the Sport of Kings NHC Qualifier starting every month. Each month, the top 50 players who are NHC Tour members advance to Round 2, which is Breeders' Cup weekend. In that final, 450 players will duke it out playing all 14 Breeders' Cup races. Two people will win a seat to the NHC, and the top 100 will get Tour points. Join the NHC Tour before any monthly Round 1 begins. If you join the Tour, you could win up to 20 seats to the NHC in free contests. For only 50 bucks, it's the best deal in racing. If you sign up for the tour, use promo code SPORTOFKINGS so we get credit. If you haven't signed up for our free contest with free DRFPPs, go to sportofkings.net right now. Thank you and good luck. And we have a special returning guest. He's the chief figure maker for Timeform US. And he has his own podcast with David Aragona, known as the DRF Forecast. He's Craig Milkowski. Craig, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Always happy to uh, be on with you guys. It's been too long. It has been too long. It's been since June, which is, um, that's a pretty long time. <laughs> <laughs> not so long that it was before COVID, so not too bad. <laughs> well, We're the good thing the is, COVID era. 
<laughs> the good thing is that you're you you have your own podcast, so I often listen to it after we do our podcast, and I write down your and David picks like right alongside ours, and then then I have a grid of five picks. Nice, the grid, the pod grid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then like if I also hear in the money, then then I start writing things like in red in between you know in between our picks and. <laughs> Well, if you listen to In the Money, there's like four different pods. So you could have a, a pretty crazy grid by the time you're done listening to all those pods. Yeah, there's a little out of control. Now, um, while I remember, Craig, I wanted to ask you because, uh, you know, I'm still getting to know Timeform USPPs. And, uh, and I know that you uh, incorporate pace into your figures. So can you explain... Can you explain for, for me and for our listeners how pace gets reflected in your final figures? Sure. Uh, it's We kind of use it to tell you what we think would have happened with a more normal pace. So front runners that hook up in a duel and go too fast get some extra credit. Uh, and it also matters on the position, like a horse that runs off and has a five length lead. We don't give them the extra credit for going too fast. We only give them the credit, say they were like the second place horse. So it's not just a matter of how fast to go. It's if you're actually facing any competition during that time. And we kind of rate it for the distance. Uh, it's it could spend a whole pod talking about it but the longer the race the kind of less extra credit we give and it's not because routes the pace doesn't matter because it obviously does but the longer you go the more it comes into some horses just won't rate and we found out in the beginning we were given too much that extra credit to speed horses that couldn't repeat it even under a normal pace because they never ran a normal pace uh we won't talk about any turf races today because it's a dead of winter at laurel but we do the same thing, but with a slow pace on turf, whereas if horses are trying to close into a slow pace and they're finishing really fast, but because of the race flow, it just doesn't work out for them. They get hung wide and finish fast, but can't get up. They get extra credit for that as well. Uh, turf's a little more confusing because you can get extra credit for going too fast. You can get extra credit for closing fast into a slow pace, but the main gist of it is we want to give you a bit a better picture of the overall performance in one number. Okay, well that's uh, that's uh, a good explanation of it, and it's interesting because Chris sometimes will say to me when we're debating like sheet figures, he'll say uh, that you gave a better figure to a horse than the sheets gave, and you know maybe that's an indication because figure making isn't perfect. So sometimes, you know, we give a little extra credit if uh, if the time form figure is coming out stronger than, say, the sheet figure. Yeah, it, that definitely can happen. I know the sheets are thoroughgraphed. They also use ground loss. And my dream scenario is that someday in my data feed that I get from Equibase, we're going to get ground loss numbers and can incorporate those too. I've already for a long time been thinking ahead and tinkered with how to make figures in that scenario. And you have to be careful because sometimes ground loss isn't bad. We've seen a lot of days at the aqueduct winter meet where you wanted to be outside. But overall, I do think ground loss is important important and we'd love to have it in our figures as well all right chris did you have any questions for craig before we get started today well i was just gonna i was gonna make one added point on the time form if you don't want the adjustment based on pace uh they also give you the final figure 
um, without the adjustment. So you can look at both and see how much the figure was bumped up or down based on the pace. That's correct, right? Correct. Yes, it is right under the finish. We just call that the final time figure. It's basically our version of the buyer figure. Uh, you do need to check. Some people count weight, some don't. We have that as a setting you can turn on and off. So sometimes that difference might be a little skewed by the weight. Uh, but if you look in our chart, you always see the raw figure they ran that day without weight adjustment. Uh, final time and and the adjusted for pace one. So you can have both and you can kind of see, well, what the difference is and and which and if the difference is large, then, you know, that's probably a figure that will look quite different, say, on a buyer scale than it will on time form if there's a big pace adjustment. And if you believe the pace adjustment is is the right way to go then that there's a little bit of an edge by using that figure so that's kind of what scott was hinting at sometimes we see horses where you gave them a big bump up based on early pace let's say um, and that doesn't get reflected in the buyer or the sheep figure Sure. And that's definitely something we've tested out. And those kind of horses, actually, it, it helps with the ROI. They don't necessarily win anymore. Uh, win percentage wise, it might even be a couple ticks lower. But overall, ROI wise, they turn out a lot better than just betting final time numbers. OK, well, we're looking at the Laurel Late Pick 5, uh, starting with the fifth race on Saturday. Four of the races are stakes races. It's a pretty big day at Laurel. And it should be noted, in case people don't know, that Laurel has a really low 12% pick five takeout. So I'm looking forward to winning more money than usual this week. <laughs> <laughs> the first race is the fifth race from Laurel. It's the Nellie Morse Stakes, a mile and 16th on dirt, purse of 100000 for Phillies and Mares, four-year-old and up. And Craig, as our guest, we'd love to have you go first. Yeah, the Nellie Morse is a, a race at Maryland. I like to bring a little tidbit since I'm from there. I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, and probably spent more days at Laurel than all the other tracks I've been to put, uh, put together. Uh, even when I was stationed at Andrews during my Air Force days, I was there for a couple of years. I was at Laurel probably many more times than I should have been. But it's one of my favorite tracks. Nice to see it rebound. And little tidbit for me, the Nellie Morse was the last Philly to actually win the Preakness before Rachel Alexandra. She did it back in 1924. So cool that she has a race named after her. Now at Laurel, this mile in the 16th distance, it's a race we show that it's a field of 10 and the pace projector in Timeform US says that the pace is going to be fast. But I do counteract that a little bit because at this distance, it's a mile and an eighth dirt track. There's a really short run into the first turn. So there's definitely an inside advantage and it kind of counteracts that fast, fast place flag that we have. Um, this is a race where if I'm playing a pick five, I, I think you have to spread here. There's just a lot of horses that could win. Uh, I don't have any knocks on the morning line favorite, Lucky Stride. He's got de decent pace figures. Could get a, a good pace set up given that pace projector. But as I said, I am a little leery. So the horse I went with as my top pick is Flashy Dynamite. Dyn how do I Flash and Dynamite. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she has more tactical speed than the favorite. 
I also like that she's just a win machine. She's won 12 of her 28 starts. I was a little leery about her. She's a horse I've followed for a while because I play a lot of the East Coast tracks because she seemed to be a park specialist. Her, her last 10 wins before her last had come at parks. But her last win at Aqueduct was big. I like the figure, and she's going to be my top pick. Uh, the other horse that I like a bit in here is Lucky Move. Uh, she's a horse that ha- has some really nice figures in here. She's uh, also shipping in from Aqueduct. She's closed into a slow pace a couple times and was able to win some stakes races. Uh, last time out, she ran into a little tougher and thankful, but she's one I'll be using as well. But for my top pick, it'll be Flash and Dynamite. Flash and Dynamite, who happens to be five of her last seven. Indeed, she is a win machine. Chris, what did you think? Well, I am with Craig on the Flash and Dynamite. The horse likes to win. I was the same thing, sort of was a Parks horse, but it broke through and finally won outside Parks in its last at Aqueduct. And now um, they ship in to Laurel and the horse really fits and we know it can string together good efforts. It had the one bad effort at Aqueduct two races back, but that was one of those days where it was a golden rail, um, kind of an extreme bias day, and um, that horse was caught wide, and and, and he bounced right back in the last race. So, yeah, I'm with Craig. If we can get the, um, uh, you know, eight to one, that seems like the one value play. I agree there's other horses in here that fit, but the value looks like the five-horse flash and dynamite. He could be the one that could blast his way to the winner's circle <laughs> or blast her way to the winner's circle. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to make an explosive move. Yes. All right. Well, uh, I actually, I have that horse as a must use. Uh, it's my second choice, but I ended out going with, uh, the two Daphne moon. She's a little slower, but she's a fresh four-year-old that has upside. She won her debut at Saratoga in a seven furlong fast race and has only progressed a little bit since then. She hasn't quite gotten it right. You know, like she hasn't, she, she's, she, she hasn't put it all together, but in her last race, she did run well at Laurel. And even though like, if you look at the DRF, the, the last race doesn't look very impressive figure wise, same with a uh, time form, but she was five wide. And on the sheets, she got the best figure of her life. So I think that she's got, um, I think she's got a, a, a really good shot, especially uh, starting there from the two hole at 15 to one. And maybe she'll be even higher than that because it, she just doesn't look that impressive. But I think she's got upside. And um, when, when I did my analysis of the NHC a couple years ago and uh, long shots that came in, the biggest thing that these horses had in common were that they were fresh four-year-olds. So um, there's, there's, they, they often improve at this age, and um, that's what I'm counting on with Daphne Moon. I, I actually really like that angle. Uh, people tend to, to look at two-year-olds and three-year-olds and expect improvement. It's like the second they turn four on January 1st, everybody throws that out the window. But I, I'm not one of those. I think horses keep improving right up 
into their five-year-old season even. So I don't particularly like this horse that you do. She she has quite a ways to go on, on my speed figures, but I would never argue with a big price, and that is an angle that I really like and use all the time. I know Chris has got to have at least another uh, horse that he likes. So what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I just quickly, the, the one landing zone and seven wicked awesome, I think, are contenders. I'm not going to say a lot about them because they're pretty obvious. But I do have a, a horse sort of similar to your two-horse Daphne Moon, um, but a bigger price, and that's the six-horse Pat's Fool. I don't know if this horse can improve Pat, enough. Pat's to, No Fool. Pat's No Fool. That's right. <laughs> oh, what's the difference between Pat's No Fool and Pat's Fool? Just one word. Um <laughs> But uh, I, I think this horse, this is the kind of horse that can jump way up. Um, and the reason I say that is as a three-year-old, it was pretty good, pretty solid. And then something went wrong and had a long layoff. Last year, it just didn't run much at all. And they kind of gave up on it and gave it some more time. But then it came back in its first start here at Laurel. And that's actually where it started its career as well. And it ran the best race it's run ever since it's three-year-old year. So, you know, this is where kind of getting at, at what you, you and Craig were talking about with four-year-olds. Well, this horse has developed physically and now he's a five-year-old. And so that was like a year and a half ago um, when he was running good races before. And now if he's gotten over his physical issues and he's fit, he should be a much more mature, stronger horse. And with that race under its belt, this would be where you'd expect to see some dramatic improvement possibly. And like I said, I don't know if he's good enough to improve or she's good enough to improve. I keep calling these Phillies um, guys, but um, Pat's no fool may fool everybody in here and uh, run a big race at a big price. So uh, as an extreme long shot, I think that horse is sort of live as an underneath play. I, I can see that horse underneath, absolutely, uh, blowing up the super for sure. We'll move on then to the sixth race, which is the Wide Country Stakes. Seven furlongs on the dirt, purse of 100000 for three-year-old Phillies, Chris. Phillies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what did you think in this race, Chris? Which which one of these uh, which one of these boys is going to win? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, it seems like uh, the 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 this race the the two favorites are probably going to get bet really heavily: the five street loot and the seven little huntress. Um, and that could create some value for the horse I like, which is the two salt plage. This horse hasn't run the same kind of speed figures, but the horse has looked really good to me. And, and, and I think it's the kind of horse where you don't know how fast it can run because it's just come from off the pace to crush um, the, its opponents in both its starts. It broke its maiden. It, bro it broke really sharply in its debut. And then the rider took back. Um, I'm not sure why. And the horse kind of got into some trouble and shuffled back. But then eventually he let her go and she just rolled past everybody. And he spent the whole stretch looking back over his shoulder to see if anybody was coming. And the horse just galloped home easily. And then her second start was almost a repeat. Broke real sharply. He took her back. Didn't really get shuffled this time, but it was kind of kind of caught in inside and had nowhere to go but once he got clear 
you know, she just kind of destroyed the field and galloped out real nicely. So to me, this horse could be any kind. She can definitely sit off the pace. I think she's got more speed than she's shown. Gets a different rider this time. And Linda Rice with Caramanos, the rider at Laurel, hits at 35%. So they team up pretty well. And, um, you know, the, the favorites could get hooked up in a speed duel and going seven furlongs. That can soften them up late. And I think Salt Plage might just, uh, you know, sit on the rail and then tip out on, in the stretch and run, run past them all. Uh, nine to two is not a great price, but I'm kind of hoping maybe that, that odds could float up a little bit. Okay, Salt Plage, uh, I noticed had a lot of fast siblings. Craig, what did you think? I don't know if this is a good sign or not, but we actually landed on the same horse as our top pick. Before I get to that, I have to give you a little Maryland history here. Wide Country was a a filly, and I think she ran as a mare as well in Maryland, who actually won the Black Eyed Susan. She was a really cool horse. That's why I bring her up. She won 11 stakes in her career, and all of them came at either Laurel or Pimlico. So I, I saw her run quite a bit. Good to see a race for her. Uh, this is a race where, as Chris mentioned, I, I think the pace is going to be pretty quick. Our pace projector has a fast flag on it, and it's it's hard to argue when you look at the running lines. There's tons of speed, including the top two morning line choices, Street Loot and uh, Huntress. And that's how I landed on Salt Plage. I, I think she just is a horse who's much better than what her figures show. I went back and watched the replays. This is a horse who's just been toying with her rivals. Uh, that last race at Parks, uh, she just won with complete dis disdain for the field. The rider was kind of looking back. And I'm not always one that, that thinks horses could have run faster. Usually I don't. But this is a case where I do. So Salt Plage is definitely going to be my top pick. The other one I'm going to use in a pick five is the horse right to her outside in the gate, and that's Fraudulent Charge. Uh, she's a filly who's done very little wrong. She did lose the street loot uh, the last time, but there wasn't anywhere near the kind of pace pressure that she's going to face in here. It's at that same seven furlong distance, and she actually ran a, a much better speed figure than my top pick with a 101. So I actually think she is, is – also going to run very well in here. So those are the two for me, Salt Plage and Fraudulent Charge. Okay, well, I didn't get, uh, I did not, not get creative at all in this race. I, well, first of all, I didn't have time to watch any replays and that's something I'll, uh, I'll, I, I may change my mind and often I'll tweet out that like, now I'm using this or that horse because, uh, because I've seen the replay. Uh, but the horse I liked was the five street loot, who's the favorite. I mean, the horse is insanely good. Six for seven, four for five at Laurel, two for two at the distance. Um, undefeated on Lasix, uh, got its best figure in its last race on Lasix. Um, I'm not sure that the horse needs the lead. I mean, uh, three races ago, December 5th at this distance was third, three lengths behind at the half. So, um, you know, I, the horse probably will go off at a very low price, maybe four to five. But um, from my perspective, I have some other interesting horses, so I'm just going to single Street Loot. Yeah, I think Street Loot's definitely the one to beat. I just want to make one other note on Little Huntress. Uh, she clearly has talent, but these horses that break their maidens 
uh, with easy leads and, you know, win big off an easy uh, front running victory and then step straight up into stakes company, especially going seven furlongs where there's other pace. They're really, really uh, horses you want to be careful about um, expecting them to repeat the kind of figure they ran in the previous race. So um, I'm not saying the horse can't win, but to me, that horse I'm kind of against just because I've seen so many of these, especially Phillies. See, somebody agrees with me. Um, that <laughs> that would be Novak, one of my dogs. That probably All right, no, Novak. Here. Novak, the handicapping mutt. I like that. That's good. Um, so, you know, I just, I would be leery of horses like uh, Little Huntress. In this case, a lot of times these goes off, these horses go off as big favorites because street loot's in the race. That won't be the case here. So I'm not quite as negative, but just keep that in mind when you see horses like that a lot of times they don't run back to those figures in their next start yeah i would totally agree with that uh chris and especially in this case where she's not even the fastest coming in normally i'm against those big maiden winners when they have the best figures but she would actually have to improve and it's hard for me to see that happening yeah and i you know uh, Street Loot is going to be the favorite and is also carrying more weight than all these horses. So I may have to reevaluate as far as uh, whether I'm going to single or not. But just based on my first run through, that was my my inclination. But there's reasons to maybe go against her, even even though she is clearly the fastest. She did improve a lot in her last race and um, she'll be a low price and she's carrying extra weight. And she's a filly, but she has shown that she, you know, she's maintained her form for a while. But like you said, that last race, you know, was clearly the best of her career, I think. Um, although she did, it, she did, I don't know. It, it, she's a good horse. So I, I, she's definitely one to beat. I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say anything bad about her. I just think Salt Plage has a lot of upside and we haven't seen how good that horse is. And she might get a setup in here. And I'm hoping for a, a decent price on the two i may try to squeeze in salt pledge i, I respect uh, uh both your, your opinion and craig's and, and any of our guests so uh you know that's why we talk about it right because we might add horses that we weren't thinking about before yeah and you made a good point scott i mean she's definitely not a need the lead type horse i just think regardless of whether she has to be on the lead at the seven furlong distance she's going to be pretty close up and i think things are going to get hot I, I don't think she's the kind of horse that's going to be six lengths off the pace and i think that might be what's needed here but she's certainly been a model of consistency you don't often see that from young fillies like her but i think she's a nose away from being undefeated or a neck something like that so it's hard not to use her, but I'm I'm going to leave her off my pick five ticket because you got to go narrow somewhere. And this is a race where I just really like the two that I mentioned. Yeah. And just to, to pile on that point about um, when the pace is hot, it tends to suck in the horses that are pressing and stalking too. And so even if you can sit off a cup length or two, if it's a hot pace going seven furlongs, these horses near the front are going to be gassed, even if they're not the leaders. So um, that's something to keep in mind. Typically, you want a horse that's kind of switched off and farther back um, if the pace really cooks up early. I'm just going to have to put my trust in Xavier. So let's move to the seventh race. It's the Run Happy Barbara Fritchie Stakes, seven furlongs on the dirt. 
250000 for fillies and mares, four-year-olds and up. Craig, what did you think here? Okay, the first thing I thought when I opened this PP's uh, Timeform US was I had to laugh because I don't know who came up with these abbreviations, but this is abbreviated as the Babs Fritchie, which <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. That just made me crack up. I was like, I, I don't Wait, think. Uh, where, well, where does that show up as the Babs Fritchie? Right up in the race description. And I imagine when he runs back, when the horses run back, that's what it'll you'll see as well. But yeah, and our little oval that gives the distance and the grade and the age and all that and the race rating. Yeah, it says it actually says Babs Fritch, which I don't think she'll be offended because I think she's been dead for over a hundred and some years. She was from from some poem, a Civil War poem. I I don't know a lot of history about this one, so I'll just mention that this race was won twice by one of my f most favorite horses of all time, Extra Heat. I got to see her do it in person one time, and she's just a horse. I actually, somewhere around here, still have a bobblehead of her that my dad sent her that, that was given out at Laurel Park. Uh, so really cool horse who would, would go really fast, but... This is a race that that I think is really interesting. Uh, it's it's drawn some some really good horses with, with a lot of wins on their resume, and I guess you got to start with the morning line favorite, Hello Beautiful. She's a horse. She's done very little wrong in her career. She's won seven out of thirteen starts. Uh, one of those losses came on turf uh, a couple times. She hasn't broke very well, but in Maryland, she's just been really really tough to beat. But this is a day I, I think that she's pretty vulnerable, and that's for a couple reasons. One is the presence of the three horse, Don't Let Sweet Fool Ya, because she is just a burner from the get-go. And unlike the horse we mentioned in the last race, Hello Beautiful is not doing a whole lot of rating in her win. She is one that goes wire to wire, as does the three horse. And I just think it's going to be really tough on both of them, particularly at this seven furlong distance. It's just horse. It's really tough for horses to face pressure the whole race and and go on the win. So you'd you'd have to be something special. Uh, I think the logical alternative would be one horse, Sharp Star. Uh, Sharp Star is shipping in from New York. Uh, she had won a couple in a row before the last race where she just faced an insanely slow pace, uh, pre just so slow I had to adjust the figures and give it a, a special notation to say that the, the figure is enhanced because the pace was so slow. I just basically had to make the number off of what I thought they could run, not what they did run. And it still came back pretty slow. But that said, I, I'm a little leery. I talked on our podcast last week on Timeform US about the races at Aqueduct where the track is just so different there and it's been so slow that I have a lot of trouble trusting horses to carry that ship. So at a short price, I, I will use Sharp Star, but I'm not going to make her be or my top pick. That's going to go to the horse just to her outside number two club car. Uh, I think club car is a horse who's coming in, into really good form. There's only four horses in the field I think are really capable of running about a 115 or so time form U.S. speed figure, which it will take to win this race. And she's one of them. Two of the others I've already mentioned are probably going to duel each other into defeat. 
And I really liked how she finished last time at six furlongs, nearly catching, uh, I believe it was Hello Beautiful, uh, just getting up late. And I think that extra furlong is really going to help her. And, and I like the price. So though our pace projector doesn't think the pace will be fast, I think in this case, just two horses battling are going to set it up for an off the pace runner. Okay, club car for Craig. Chris, what did you think here? Well, I, I, I would echo a lot of what Craig said on about Hello Beautiful and, and don't let Sweet Fool You is my pick for the worst name of the week. Another one of these let string together a whole bunch of words into one name. I hate those. Um, I agree. The only thing about Hello Beautiful that I'll, I'll give her a little bit more credit in that she's kind of pressed a hot pace and still won at seven furlongs a couple times. So I'm not quite as negative. Um, on her because she did draw outside and she's shown the ability to kind of, you know, press these hot paces and still finish. So I, I think she's still the one to beat. Um, I don't like don't let sweet fool you much because I think, you know, hello, beautiful will, will definitely be to her detriment. Um, and I agree. Sharp stars kind of the logical alternative. Um, I agree also that, you know, Zach would have, numbers can be kind of misleading but the horses run pretty well at some other places as well so you know to me that is kind of the, the logical horse um but i also agree that you can look for someone off the pace at a price is kind of the way to go two horse club car makes sense um the one i kind of lean toward is uh the four horse estilio or estilo talentoso I'm not sure I, I'm sure I butchered the name, but the four horse, uh, it's another horse that can come from off the pace. It uh, was pretty solid as a three-year-old and it had time off and it came back with a nice uh, off the bench effort at Tampa. And now they ship up to Laurel for the stakes race, second off a layoff. This is where I would expect to see, you know, some big improvement. Um, and these are the kind of horses that we mentioned uh, uh, earlier in the on the pod that these three-year-old turned four-year-old, especially coming off a fairly long layoff, can really move forward. You know, this horse was running pretty good um, races back in February as a three-year-old. Now we're February as a four-year-old. So horse could pop a big one in here at a price and could get a, a decent setup from off the pace. So. For me, the long shot is the four Estilo Talentoso. That sounds right to me. I think you nailed it that last time. <laughs> you, find, you got it. You, you, you. Um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> well, I, I'm. Uh, this is another race where I'm not going to get creative. Uh, I am sort of interested in Estilo Talentoso and might user because i'm not i'm certainly not singling the street loot in the sixth and my pick in this race which is hello beautiful she's seven for seven at laurel she's got perfect outside posts so she can rate if she needs to i mean i know she's fast and she likes to run fast and so the pace is probably going to be hot but i mean the numbers on this horse are sensational She's won her last three in a row. She's three for four at the distance. She's she's seven for thirteen, and that includes zero for three on the turf. So so she's really seven for ten. 
She's never been out of the money. Um, you know, I'll pick her and move on. I did want to make, I had one more note on Sharp Star. Uh, the one thing I am leery about it is I know uh, Chris and I have talked about Lasix a bit in, in private in some a few weeks, last week sometime, I think. And I was really disappointed in her last race. And the one thing you do have to note is she was actually off Lasix. Now, everybody's off Lasix in this race, but you do have to wonder if maybe she just is a horse who needs it because it, she had no excuse to get run down by Miss Orb that day. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, they they are all off, so that that is a question mark with Hello Beautiful. You know, she has been running with Lasix, and now she'll, you know, be running without it. We'll see. And that that especially, you know, if on a testing seven furlongs, that could make a difference. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's a possibility. Uh, and and look, she's probably not going to be a very good price, so that could be a reason to go against her. But um, yeah, you got to figure she's three to five. I would think. What would you guess the odds will be at at post time? I, I think Sharp looked... Star in there. I personally would say she she might be in the seven to five range. I I think Sharp Star is going to take quite a bit of of money uh -huh. too. Hmm. Yeah, I mean Sharp Star was two to five in her last race. The the other thing is that none of these horses they're. They're not carrying any. They're carrying equal weights, right? It's 120 on on everybody. If if Hello Beautiful was carrying 124, or you know, or or more than four pounds than these horses, uh, then I would be a little more inclined. But um, yeah, I'm just not going to beat myself up trying to beat her. Yeah, that's a. Since you mentioned weight, I will bring up. If you clicked on our chart for Hello Beautiful, you'd see she ran a one eighteen time form U.S. speed figure. I used the weight setting on, and in the PPs, it shows up as a one twenty, and that's because she's dropping four pounds. So we give her an extra two points for that weight drop here. Yeah, I mean that. It's a good point. I mean, to me, if I looked at her PPs and she never really faced a hot. Um, pace before and and won or had never carried the weight that she's carrying but I mean she's done she's been in races like this before where she had to you know take pressure early and still won so you know she is a legit favorite I think plus she drew a good post you know going seven furlongs from that eight post the rider can you know ride her however he wants to he can make whatever decisions he wants to make so she is a solid favorite I mean she's the one to beat for sure we move on next to the eighth race. It's the General George Stakes. Seven furlongs on dirt for uh, four-year-olds and up, and a purse, again, of 250000 Chris, why don't you get us started? All right. Well, seven furlongs has been the distance today. Three straight seven furlong races. That'll make Craig happy in terms of making figures. He'll have plenty of data to work with. Now, unlike the last race, or actually the last two, this race I don't think has a lot of early pace. I think this is a race where someone might be able to steal off on the front end. And for me, that horse is the eight, Arthur's Hope. He's an interesting horse. I mean, he's, he's really inconsistent. He runs a lot of bad races. But if you notice at seven furlongs, when he gets the lead on a fast track, he wins. He, if you look back through his PPs, the last three times, He's gone seven furlongs on a fast track and got the early lead. He won. And I think 
in this race, there's a good chance. Um, there are a few other horses that might challenge him, but there's a chance that he could get the lead going seven furlongs on a fast track. And, you know, he's last three times he's done that he's won. So at 20 to one, that's enough for me to take a shot with the eight horse Arthur's hope. Uh, not real magical. Just, um, I think the race may set up for him and he's the kind of horse that can take advantage of these, this situation if it does present itself. Arthur's hope you get 20 to one on a horse that's five for nine at the distance. Craig, what did you think? Uh, I see it a lot like Chris as far as the pace goes. I don't think there's a lot of speed in here. Arthur's Hope is one. I'm going to use them on my pick five tickets. I'm not going to make them my top pick. I, I have had a lot of luck with him in the past just because he's a horse who seems to do well when the pace projector says he will, and it, it's pointing to him having a clear lead in here. But I went in a little bit different direction with a different speed horse, and that's the horse uh, further to the inside in Lebda. He's a horse who I think his form's dirtied up just a little bit, uh, and, and I think he's improving. He got gelded towards the end of last year, and though his last two races don't look all that great on speed figures, they put him right here with anybody in the field. He's a horse who showed a lot of high speed as a three-year-old. I think he was even sort of on the derby slash Preakness trail at one point, but something went amiss, and he wound up running in Ohio, running in the the uh, the Haskell for some reason where he had no chance. But I suspect the seven furlong distance is actually going to be perfect for him. I don't think he has to have the lead. He could maybe sit just off a horse like Arthur's Hope. But I do think he's going to run a big win. And I think a horse that's capable of a 120-type speed figure in this field at a good price is one that I'm going to be betting. Uh, the, the horse who's going to be the morning line favorite chips in from New York – and this kind of goes to when Chris mentioned about the odds on uh, Hello Beautiful. New York horses always take money in Maryland. That, that's kind of why I think Sharp Star will and why I think Funny Guy is going to be the favorite as well. But I, I'm just not very high on, on Funny Guy. Uh, he's He debuted. Uh, he came back from a, a long layoff. He was actually seen out here in my parts in the Oklahoma Derby where he didn't do a whole lot of running when Owendale won, but he had a pretty long layoff and came back and ran a really big 122 time form U.S. speed figure winning the commentator stakes. But since then, while his results have been pretty good, his speed figures have just kind of been middling one teens. Uh, last time I thought he lost without too much of an excuse. He had a hot pace and just couldn't, couldn't even come close to our last buck. He ran only a 109 speed figure. So he just seems like a horse to me who might be tailing off. And as a favorite, he's not one I think has all that great a shot to win in here. Okay, well, um, I unlike the last two races, I did not go with the favorite in this race. In fact, Chris and I are on the same horse, Arthur's Hope. He's uh, he's five for nine of the distance. He's he had a nice workout before his last race. Um, he's circling back, based on the numbers I'm looking at. He's circling back to uh, uh, his top effort, which his very top effort was as a five year old. But um, he's circling back. It looks like he's going to hit the the six year old best, which ha happened at Charlestown at seven furlongs. But, you know, he could actually do better than that. And even if one of these horses decides to go for the lead besides him, and I'm, I'm looking at you, Share the Ride, um, 
I think that he can, while Chris makes a good point that like he can win if he has the lead, he also doesn't have to have the lead. So I won't be freaking out if he doesn't get it. Um, I like the post. Uh, he's, he's definitely my play. But I'm also interested in the one, Lockie. Uh, I think that you know he's he's had trouble in his last two races. He runs the most consistent big figures of any of these horses. If he runs his biggest figure, he's probably going to win. So I would definitely use him as well. Uh, he he with a slow pace though on the inside. There's a really good chance that he's going to have trouble like he did in his last two races. So that's why I wouldn't single him, but um, but I would definitely include him. Yeah, I did want to mention Lakai. I, I'm not trying to cor- correct your pronunciation. I actually watched replays because I always call him Lackey, and I heard Dave Rodman say Lakai, so I'm going to drill it in my head, but who cares okay. about that? He's a horse I, I actually do like quite a bit, and it's for the, the reasons you said. His form's definitely dirtied up. He had some traffic too back, and the last time it was just a really slow, atypical Laurel track. It was almost like the aqueduct track that I, I just don't think he cared for, and I do think he's a horse that prefers seven furlongs to six, so he's definitely one that I, I'm going to be using on my tickets. Chair uh, the Ride is one you mentioned. He's a really perplexing horse. He's a horse who's one on the lead a few times in his career, but I've seen some interviews with the connections and they are just hell bent on taking that horse off the pace for some reason. I don't get it. I mean, he has one from off the pace, but I, I just don't get taking a, a horse off the lead when the pace is slow. And, and I think it's cost him a few times. So uh, if you're counting on him to challenge Arthur's hope, which I know you're hoping he won't, he probably will not in here because it just seems to be that's the instructions the riders are given. Well, hopefully he won't want to share the lead. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll let Arthur's hope. He won't let Arthur's hope share the ride. I I just I think we're all on the same page. Lakai is solid and could trip out if they do go a little faster. Leb does the other horse I really like in here at eight to one. I think he's really good value for all the reasons. Craig said he's I'm hoping that he does exactly what you said, Craig. They let Arthur's hope go. Lebda's willing to just kind of stock in second. And those two kind of run one, two all the way around. That would be an ideal result, I think, in this race, given the morning line. And I also agree with you that funny guy is just a total money burner. That horse gets pounded out in New York as well as outside New York. So and he seldom gets the job done. I just think he's one of these perpetual money burners that you you want to play against. So I think all three of us are pretty much on the same page in this race. I did want to give my little last historical standpoint. Uh, this, I mentioned Extra Heat, was one of my favorite horses. Broad Brush actually won this race as a three-year-old. It used to actually be an early season three-year-old race, and uh, he was by far my best horse. He's one of the ones that actually really got me interested in the sport and kept me around for a while. So just a really cool horse. The race has obviously changed. Now it's a sprint for older horses, but I was actually there when he won the General George in uh, 1986. I remember Broad Brush being a, a major hard hitter. Let's move on to the tenth, the ninth race. It's a maiden. It's six furlongs on the dirt, purse of 40000 for three-year-olds. And Craig, where did you land here? 
Well, let's say the racing secretary didn't do us any favors putting this as the last race in a pick five sequence with four first time starters. So I, I'm not sure what the thinking was there. Uh, you don't get to see basically anything. You have no idea if they're going to get bet. So not something I'm a big fan of. But that said, I generally try to beat first time starters. I, I think they're among the poorest bets in racing. Uh I, I've run some stats on them, especially in races not for two-year-olds, where obviously most horses start their career. When you go three-year-olds and up first-time starters, they only win – they win under 9% of the time and lose about 26 cents on the dollar. So, you know, it's a case where if I could see the early betting and – think maybe they were taking money, I'd use them. But in this case, I, I just don't see it. Now, luckily, none of them are really better, are shown a, as being all that promising on the morning line. So I think we can kind of narrow it down to the three that that have run. Uh, Hemp is a slight favorite, but he's the one I actually like the least. Uh, he debuted in the maiden claimer for a barn that does better first time out than second. He wasn't able to get the job done. He's been gelded since. So uh, he's just not the kind for me. I, I might use him defensively in a pick five, but that's about it. Um, the second choice is for a trainer who actually moves horses up quite a bit second time out. Uh, in our Timeform USPPs, he goes from a 61 first time out to a 100 rating the second time out. So he's the horse that I think is clearly the one to beat. That's the inside horse, Imagine Hong Kong. He did get a bit of, bit of a nice pace set up uh, and kind of weird. He's also coming out of a maiden claimer. He's also a first time gelding. So I, I do expect him to improve more than I do hemp. So I would favor him. Uh, the other horse that I will be using is the three horse, uh, Flat Cat. He's another who's second time starter. And I think I'll actually make Flat Cat my top pick if I have to make one in here. His his trainer does absolutely nothing with first time starters. We have him rated as a two uh, on a zero to a hundred scale, which I'm not sure how you even get a two. That's got to be pretty tough to do. Uh, now, he only improves them to a 41 second time out, but I mean, he's not a high percentage trainer as it is. The horse showed high speed in a race that we have coded with all red fractions, meaning the pace was fast. And then he backed up after that, but I like that he actually debuted in the maiden special weight as opposed to a claimer. So I'll be using all three of those, but the three flat cat would be my top pick. Whoever you, whoever gave flat cat a two is the same person who named that race the babs fritchie <laughs> <laughs> chris what did you think well i just want to echo i don't understand why they they put this maiden race in when they could have had they had the fourth race is a, a nice stakes race with eight horses in it why they wouldn't just have an all stakes pick five why they put this maiden race at the end just what baffles me. I don't get the thinking of these racing secretaries or whoever. It's makes not those even decisions. a big field, right? If it was yeah, a 12 I mean, horse field, maybe it would blow up the pick five, but it's only seven horses. I, I don't get it. You know, they, they could have this great all stakes pick five and said they stuck this race in at the end. But, you know, it, it's in there and um, they did that. I, I'm with Craig pretty much. I think what's unusual about this race is the two favorites are coming out of maiden claiming races into maiden special weight races, which I, I don't have the data on that, but that can't be a good 
ROI or a good percentage of maiden claimers stepping up into maiden special weight races. So uh, I'm kind of against both those, but like Craig said, of the two, I much prefer the one horse imagine Hong Kong because of the trainer angle. The trainer does do really well second time out. So you got to use the one. I'm kind of against the four. Not only, you know, is it moving up from maiden claiming to maiden special weight, but um, it was in the maiden claimer and it couldn't get the lead and it got tired. And it's had a couple of vet scratches since its last race out of some maiden claiming races. So, you know, to me, there's a lot of red flags on that one as a favorite. I'm kind of against the four. And like Craig said, the three flat cat, I like by far the best because you know, that horse was in an actual maiden special weight and couldn't get the lead and still ran pretty well. And this is a race where the time form figures gave this horse a really, really big pace bump, like 18 points from a 65 to an 83. So that's telling you that that early pace was pretty hard. And now, you know, might get the lead in this race. So in second start for a barn that doesn't send them out cranked up on the first start, you know, to me, the three is kind of the obvious one of the threes that have run that you want to be on. But I, there is a first-time starter I kind of like in here, too, and that's the six-horse Pharaoh's Fury, who I think has some pretty nice workouts and some pretty good breeding. And because it is a small field and the favorites are coming out of maiden claiming races, this is one where I think, you know, maybe a first-time starter could do some damage. So, you know, off that work tab and breeding and the weak field, you know, to me, the, the six horse Pharaoh's Fury, eight to one on the morning line. You know, this is a horse that might get bet down to two to one at post time, but in the pick five might be more like eight to one. So, you know, the six Pharaoh's Fury and the three flat cat are the two I think I'm the most interested in, in the, in the pick five. And also you'd have to use probably the, the one horse, imagine Hong Kong. And I'll take my chances um, with the other first-time starters. That's a little bit dicey. You never know. But um, there's just nothing in there that got me interested in the other three. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to go five deep in this race. And I'm going to use two first-time starters, and they'll be my top picks. Since you – I was originally going to go with Pharaoh's Fury, but now um, I, I just noticed something with uh, the two-horse fourth that – will um got me interested in in that horse so uh, the first thing about fourth is that the trainer apparently hits with first time starters uh, uh not that often but has, has certainly hit w at least with one bomb with a maiden that was uh 10 to 1 or higher um has only only i think only had two winners but that's out of 19 races, so two out of 19 first-timers. Um, but there's two other things that I like about this horse. The first is that the dam was very fast as a two-year-old and uh, has had four wins. And then the other thing is, looking at the workouts, you know, there's I usually like to include any horse that's run a 49 flat gate work or a 101 flat gate work or better. In this case, this horse hasn't done that. But I did notice that as a two-year-old in May, and it's only its second reported workout, a 36-2 Breeze Bullet, best out of 18. And, uh, you know, like 
I, that that tells me that this horse can run a little, and uh, I I wouldn't I would hate to be alive into the pick five and then get beat by a horse that's got good breeding, has a really good early workout, and also a trainer who's won with bomb before. Well, while you were talking, Scott, I did want to do I did a little studying on Farrow's Fury since uh, Chris brought him up. And uh, one of the things we have in time for him, U.S. is you can pull up all the siblings of the horse. And I do have to say he's got quite the impressive list of siblings. Uh, he's got at least three three siblings that I saw that have that ran 115 or higher time for him, U.S. speed figures during their career. Uh, he had one half a million dollar earner in closing bell, another who won 380000 in Hear the Ghost. So there's definitely some pedigree on Pharaoh's Fury. So that, that might have to be one. One I'll throw in. I know that's not the one you picked on top, but but Chris did like him, so he he definitely has some some pedigree there. Yeah, and 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 really, Pharaoh's Fury. What like, I'm going to call Pharaoh's Fury and fourth, like my double. You know, since since I <laughs> I have two odds on favorites in my sequence because um, they are pretty equal in that you know Pharaoh's Fury also has better workouts. But does have, like you said, he's got some serious siblings. Hear the ghost, settle for metal, many, many Bavon. Uh, but also the dam was very fast as a two-year-old. So um, when they were, when they're precocious, when the dam is uh, fast, was a precocious a horse. These young three-year-olds, you know, it's it's almost like a two-year-old race. Uh, I always give that a little credence. Okay, I guess that's all we have on uh, the pick five. Did you guys have a chance to look at uh, any of the other races on the card? And uh, do you like anything? Uh, I Craig. personally did not. I, I spent uh, most of the night and the evening looking at the uh, Aqueduct Lake pick five, which I handicapped with David for the other podcast. So I've only looked at 10 races so far. The last pick five at Aqueduct and uh, the late pick five at Laurel. Hey, do you have anything at Aqueduct? Anything at Aqueduct that you that stood out? Uh, uh, I'll give you the one uh, that that both David and I landed on in the feature, the the Maddie May that day. We both like Shane's pretty lady. Uh, she's a filly who finished third behind a horse who's actually in this field. Was beaten uh, six and three quarter lengths that day, but it was a day with just a crazy bad rail. And Shane's pretty lady basically barely left the rail and tried to rally through the rail and actually kept on running where most horses were dropping anchor. So she's one I think has a big shot and is eight to one on the morning line. So David and I both agreed on that one. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give one pick, but it's not at Laurel and it'll be one that people can laugh at, but in the Saudi cup, and I know Craig, you're not a big fan of the race, but it is a race, and the two favorites, Nick's Go and Charlatan, are going to take all the money. And they could get hooked up and tire each other out. And I've always been a Tacitus fan. He's become the butt end of jokes on t racing Twitter, which to me says this is the perfect time to play him. Um, everybody else is you know, making fun of him, and he's going to – could get a perfect setup. And he's been a mental case, kind of like a lot of Tacitus. A lot of um, Tappets are. Uh, but as a five-year-old, you know, he can have matured some. He might have become a little bit more focused mentally. And I still think he has some big races in him. And he might even have a big five-year-old season if they keep him in training. 
And they certainly would like to win him. The connections would like to win this race. And I know I just think the stars might be aligned and he gets completely overlooked and laughed at. Um, I think he's value in that race. So I'm, I'm going to be betting Tacitus assuming I get a price um, in the Saudi cup. And that's my, <laughs> that that's my, people can poke fun at that pick, but um, I think the horse has got some talent. Yeah, hey, well, there's a, there's yeah, already a, a, a mocking tweet out there. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure pays to be. go against the crowd. Everybody's turned on him, kind of like hidden scroll. So, so maybe his day will will come, and you want to be on the right side of it when he's a big price. So, uh, hey. I do. I, it might sound kind of funny, but I do think there's something to social media these days where you can kind of figure out where the the money's going to go and where the wise guy horses are, and kind of use that as leverage to to go the other way. It's kind of like uh, what they're doing with Tassus right now is what they did with Robbie Alvarado when he was put on to Swiss Skydiver and like and he won the race. So uh, you know, every time I see one of those mocking tweets, I say Tassus is probably a good bet right now. No, definitely, you want to try to to zig when others zag. That that's part of the paramutual game. So and and I agree with Craig. You know, then Twitter can can maybe be a little bit of a signal that helps you figure out where everybody's headed. And when they start piling on, that's the time where you, you play the other way, I think. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll be rooting for Tacitus just to, uh, to, uh, to prove them wrong. I would like to thank our guest, Craig Milkowski. Craig, thanks for taking the time to do two podcasts today. <laughs> no problem. I, I always enjoy being on with you guys. And I don't kid. I, I always listen to your guys' podcasts. I know there's been a lot of talk lately. There's way too many podcasts out there. But I always say you pick the ones you want to listen to. Who cares if there's a million, you know? If I got time to, to listen to three or four a week, I know which ones I'm going to listen to. And your guys is one of them. So I, I appreciate you having me on and, and honored, really. All right. Well, thanks. We really appreciate that. Thanks for the kind words. And, uh, you know, you give us some you give us some warmth on Twitter, too. So we totally appreciate that. And uh, what are you doing next week? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what's happening next week. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, well, 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 thanks again. And that will conclude show number 108 of the Sport of Kings pod. Good luck in the Laurel Late Pick 5. And please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo blowout i'll see you on sport of kings cheers all right ride thanks, guys. that pony <laughs> <laughs>